Hello and welcome to Friday Fun, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week we're hopping off the Thameslink and getting on the Northern Line before changing to the DLR at Monument as we head to Custom House. I'm Owen Bellwood and as always I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you this week Will? That was very specific. Was that Did that get you all nostalgic for living back in London? Yeah and I was trying to figure out how you would get to the Formula E. Ah. That's why it started on a Thameslink. It's quite, yeah, it's quite a convoluted way to get down there, though. Maybe it's a good job I couldn't go. <laughs> yeah, just anywhere east is pretty faffy to get to. How did you get to the Formula E in New York when you went? I got the 6 to Union Square, and then I changed on to the M, I think it was. I, I'm sure that, like, subway names with just letters and numbers are great for like tourists but they've got to be a bit more creative than that surely yeah i'm not a fan of the subway i'll be honest it's not as good as the underground of course not you can't write and the, the whole numbers letters thing i don't understand why some are numbers and some are letters oh so the m what did the m doesn't stand for anything no they're all just there's like j z m l n p q oh so there's one, one named two, after jay z uh, well, I did have that theory that he did get his name from the train, but the train doesn't go uh, where he's from. So ah, that's a shame. Yeah. We digress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of letters, actually, the Formula E was at the XL this weekend. <laughs> it's Exhibition Centre London, is what it stands for. Yeah, which I only found out at the weekend. Yeah, thanks to uh, Jack Nichols. Yep, exactly. But it was expected to be a boring, boring race weekend. And I think it's thrown up one of the moments of the year in all motorsport. All motorsport? Yeah, I think... Bold claim. If this kind of thing happened in Formula One, it would be legendary. Yeah. What did you make of it? So, I only watched the first London race live... And it was pretty good. There was a lot of like overtakes and racing action and stuff. But then the second race on Sunday, round 13, is the one that everyone's been talking about in the aftermath. And I was out in the morning, checked my phone later on, and there was just all of these rambles about Lucas Degrassi and his controversial move. Do we call it a move? Oh, I don't know. I don't even think you can call it a move. I think it's, it's a strategy yeah his strategy yeah so then after that I did have to sit down and watch it all again and it was a good race I think it's like up there with Monaco for best Formula E race of the year like not just because of this but because of all the overtakes and crashes at the hairpin yeah so those hairpins were a bit a bit mad and when you saw them on the circuit map they I didn't I don't think they didn't think they looked like much fun they were just kind of two complete hairpins one after the other. But uh, Nick DeFries proved me wrong and yeah. you know pulled off a couple of really tasty overtakes there. It seems to be the spot he did most his overtaking with like, I've never seen so much lock go into a steering wheel. I think, was it Mitch Evans had a pretty tidy lunge down the inside on someone as well. Yeah. There was sort of a bump in the circuit, so there were a few people that kind of hit the bump and locked up, which then just led to all the crashes. But my favourite thing about the hairpins was that when you looked at it on the map, it looked exactly like the Formula E logo. 
and I won't let anyone convince me they didn't do that on purpose. I don't think they did that on purpose. They, they definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> but it did, it did cause some spicy action as well. Mitch Evans' teammate Sam Bird had a crash there, didn't he, in race two, which I was also a little bit miffed that they didn't show how they um, moved that. I, I I don't know if you saw it on the highlights, but they had a crash with like two minutes to spare and there were like two cars on top of each other. And then all of a sudden they were gone. Yeah. And Jack Nichols was like, oh, it's the end of the race. There's no way for them to clear it. And it was like 10 seconds later and they weren't there. Yeah. It was magic. That's the footage um, I want to see. <laughs> They're the real stars of this show. Those London stewards, they know how to untangle a couple of cars, I think, don't they? <laughs> but did the London stewards up in the steward box know how to untangle the mess that was going on at the front? Well, they had tried to. So what happened, it was one of the many crashes over the weekend brought out the safety car. So all the drivers lined up. And at this point, uh, Degrassi was in eight. So as the safety car was coming under the pit straight, he hopped into the pits, slowed down in his box, and then rejoined but was now in first. Which, who thought it was fine to just take a shortcut? <laughs> if that had worked, it would have been genius. Alan McNish, because the speed with which he ran to the steward's office, did you, did you, they show that on the highlights? Yeah. Clearly, he was running there with like the precise number regulation <laughs> that he was like, this is fine. And they only, so he got a 10 second penalty, didn't he? That was a drive through. Okay. Which he didn't serve because they didn't tell him because they thought that he, basically the only technicality that's been broken was that he didn't stop. So if he had come to a complete stop in the pit lane, it would have been fine. Yeah. But he kind of was still sliding when he had full lock on his brakes. So, I mean, if he had been a bit more patient, he could have picked up second place. Yeah. And that's one of the things they said on the commentary was that it was, even though his like wheels had stopped, it was the GPS tracking that showed he was still moving. And that's what meant he got the penalty rather than being let off. But why is that a rule? And also, why is the pit lane speed faster than the speed behind the safety car? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there should be a rule of, you know, if you come into the pit lane, you have to stop for X amount of seconds. Because in Formula E, you're not coming in to refuel or change tyres. So you're coming in because you have serious damage to repair or to cheat, which... I mean, I've used the word there. I think it's cheating. It's within the rules, but I think it's cheating. What do you think? Yeah, it's quite a serious loophole in the rules if you're able to go into the pit lane from eight and come out in first without anyone else like slowing or doing anything. And it sounds like exactly the kind of loophole that teams would exploit until it gets closed up. So I kind of expect it to be closed somehow for them to come up with something like you've got to stop in your box or something like that. Uh, and I think if he'd won, like that'd have been outrage. Yeah. Like he did take a shorter route. 
They like I mean, missed out a corner and went quicker than everyone. What would have happened if? Because I didn't really see how he filtered filtered into the lead. Because presumably, I can't remember if it was um, Lynn who was leading at the time. Uh, I think it was Van Dorn. Oh, had Van Dorn not crashed out by this point? I don't think so. So presumably he was quite close to the safety car and he's just like nestled his way in. But had the pit lane been longer, because then he would have been going faster for a longer period of time, what would have happened if he filtered out in front of the safety car? Would he then technically be last? No, because he's done more laps than everyone. Every time he crosses the line, he's on the lead lap. That's true. Uh, They did show in the coverage just him kind of shimmying out of the pit lane (laughs) and behind the safety car. Well, like, I guess it kind of reminded me of when you're when you're driving and you're waiting at a junction, and you're la- waiting for someone to let you out, and no one does. <laughs> so I don't understand why like Van Dorn just didn't let him out. Well, I guess if you're in the lead, and someone appears from the pit lane, you're probably going to presume that they're a lap down, and yeah, have been in for repairs or something. So you'd just let them in front because they're going to, you know, they'll overtake the safety car at some point and and go off, but. I, I I think what annoyed me was the balls of them to defend it the entire time. Would you really yeah. would you really want to win a race like that? I don't know. I don't think I would. Like the uproar you're gonna get and the complaints from the other teams. Surely it'd be better for them to take the penalty. Because I think it was just a drive through. Yeah, if you the pack was quite spread out. So it wasn't gonna drop him down out of the points, I don't think. No. But, yeah, they just lap after lap. He didn't come in until eventually he got black flagged. I didn't see any black flags. I was hoping you'd see some waving. Oh, I think black flags are actually really rare. I think mm. technically in Formula 1 they don't exist. You can only get a like a 30-second stop-go penalty or something ridiculous. I think that's like a recent rule, which is sad. But, I mean, I don't even see any blue flags in Formula E, and I'm sure there's plenty of them. Yeah, that's true. The interesting fact that I heard during the commentary of the whole thing was that apparently Senna set a fastest lap in Formula One by cutting through the pit lane at one point. Really? And it was when, yeah, apparently there was a time when there wasn't a speed limit in the pits. Oh my God. So he just saw it as a short route. He just went straight through. <laughs> well, there's the big controversial pit lane moment in Formula One was... Michael Schumacher at Silverstone in like 1999 where he got a 10 second stop go penalty and no one was really sure what for but he on the final lap came into the pit lane to to serve the penalty so crossed the line and the checkered flag and then just sat in his pit box for 10 seconds and drove out again thus serving the 10 second penalty but Obviously, that was after the race had finished, so it didn't matter. They added 10 seconds onto his time. But if you get a 10-second penalty now, a 10-second stop-go penalty, you get like 30 seconds added to your time because obviously you've driven through the pit lane. So how he mugged that one off, I have no idea. Yeah, there's some very clever people whose job it is is just to find these little gaps in the rules and ways to exploit them. I quite like the... um, I think we mentioned it when we did our Singapore episode, Singapore 2007, when the safety car comes out 
the pit lane is automatically closed and it opens again once the cars are bunched up. So there's no real like jumping in the pit lane as soon as there's a safety car to make the most of it or the VSC just to make the most of a quick VSC if it's only half a lap, which I quite like, kind of sets the playing field level. But the weird thing about the Degrassi incident is that the pack was bunched up. <laughs> well, I guess it could have so only worked. So even if that rule had been there. <laughs> it could have only worked if it was bunched up, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah. It's just... But then in Formula E, you don't need the pit lane to function as a, your, for your car to to function like you need to change tires in formula one at that time you needed to refuel so i guess there's no reason for you to come into the pits unless you've got damage yeah because gone are the days of changing cars maybe i mean do you reckon the gen 3 cars might bring in tire changes can you imagine can you imagine pit lanes where everyone has to pit in formula e it would be carnage yeah i like that they don't (laughs) (laughs) they believe it at that so, you wouldn't have wanted to win a race like that? No. No, would you? Like, would you be there running down to race control? Being like, it's legal. No. See? I think it's a bit embarrassing, to be honest. I think, but although I, I would love to see scenes like that with Christian Horner running down to the steward's office one day. That is exactly the kind of thing I can... It's Karen. I saw someone call Christian Horner Karen Horner because they've lodged this protest um, ahead of Hungary. And it's exactly the same thing. Just if you can't do your racing on the road, don't do it in the pit lane. No. Do you think if no sporting regulation comes out about uh, off the back of this, are we going to see loads of teams dive into the pits as soon as there's a safety car in the final two races in Berlin? Because it's, it's, it's all to play for at the top, isn't it? There's about six drivers all separated by about 10 points. Yeah, it's mad. I hope so, I hope not. I really hope not. <laughs> so many do that the pit lane just becomes part of the circuit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about... Um... So we're going into Berlin. There are quite a few drivers. Nick de Vries is top of the championship, yeah, I think. But he thinks he's in a weak position because he will go out in group one in qualifying. The top six drivers are in group one. So typically they have the worst running qualifying because the track's not rubbered in. It's a slower track. And so actually the the drivers that are sitting in kind of seventh, eighth, ninth in the championship that are close enough to win have a better shot at the title. Yeah, it's a strange statement to come out with. Um, But it is something that we've kind of seen throughout the season so far. But then I think it was when we were in Berlin for the end of last year. I want to say it was De Costa was in Group 1 and he was like consistently one of the only people that would also make it into Super Bowl. <laughs> so it kind of all depends how your car's set up and what sort of position you're aiming for. But this kind of is more of a question about whether or not the Formula E qualifying format is effective or not. I think the format's good. I just think they should do what they used to do and draw lots to see mm. who goes in which group rather than just put the best people first. Yeah, because uh, Sam Bird was in kind of the same position, didn't score on Sunday, uh, didn't score on Saturday, but was still in group one. So then said that his weekend was going to suffer as a result of that because he still wasn't going to be able to qualify very well. And then he still didn't score points on Sunday. So, 
Although I think Jake Dennis had a really strong... He obviously won the race on Saturday and then started way down the pack on Sunday, but managed to get himself up to like seventh or sixth by the checkered yeah. flag in race two. He really made a good account for himself. One to watch maybe next yeah. next, next time out. Yeah, so the, the top of the driver standards at the moment is uh, Nick DeFries, 95. And then just behind him is Robin Freitz. And then it's Sam Bird, Jake Dennis, and Antonio Felix da Costa. They're the top five. And there's just 15 points separating the five of them. So it, with two races to go, it's quite, it's still quite tight. I like it. It is tight. But then if, they're all, if they end up starting like P15 down, mm. then you're actually going to be looking at who's like six, seven, eight. Uh, six is Alex Lynn, seven is Nick Cassidy, and eighth is Mitch Evans. Where's Stoffel? Stoffel? He's not even in the top ten. Thirteenth. Sixty-three points. Stinker. Well, Nick DeFries was way down until he had his two podiums over the weekend. Well, maybe, maybe Van Dorn is one to watch then. He's not. He didn't score points in round 10 or 11 in New York. Well, no, it's quite a big golf, actually, to Nick, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think the ones to watch are going to be Evans, Mortara, Cassidy. Yeah. It'll be a tasty couple of races. Especially if you can pick up 30, well, 29 points for a pole and a win. And even... Even even all the way back to Jeb, if he gets his 29 points, that would put him in the lead. Yeah, and it's not it's not out of Formula E's realm to uh, have like twenty DNFs in one race. Yeah. <laughs> and the Berlin uh, circuit, how they mixed it up last year, I quite liked it, and uh, I'm looking forward to going back there. What do you think of the weekend format where we have these two two races back to back in the same place? Is that something you'd like to see transfer over to other series? Yeah, I think it works. I think we kind of had it in Formula One at Silverstone, where we have the sprint race and the Grand Prix. You know, it's good. It's cool. In Berlin, they changed it. They had what six races over nine days in three different layouts. So maybe on these circuits, like let's do Bahrain, let's do outer circuit on a Saturday, and let's do full layout on a Sunday. That'd be quite fun if they can build it in time. The more racing, the better. What do you think? Yeah, I like it as well. It's quite... They obviously have practice qualifying and the race all on the same day. And like, it helps that a Formula E race is about half the length of a Formula yeah. 1 one. Uh, it just kind of keeps it quite exciting. It means that if you've got two races in the same weekend where one person... Two races in the same place on the same weekend and someone has a shocker, like, like Sam Bird did in New York on the Saturday not at all what he would have hoped for and then came back on the Sunday and won. It's um, quite cool that you get completely different results on yeah. two days. So I'm all for it. And I also like that the London E-Prix was both inside and outside. I thought exciting. it had a bit of a, a go-kart feel to it when it came inside, I thought. Yeah, especially with the big ramps. Yeah. I thought that seemed a bit odd. But the cars look cool in the dark. Yeah, and it was quite cool having a race indoors. That was quite fun. The kind of lighting effects and stuff you had. Yeah, especially with the threat of rain that there was on Sunday. Yeah, it was typical. Like, that's what you get in Formula 1 all the time. Like, 
it rained. Like we, we literally had a monsoon in London. There was flooding about three hours after the race finished. Yeah, like very close to where the race was as well, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that part of London, I imagine you would have had rain. Well, that part, part was inside, but it would have been torrential. The ramps would have become waterfalls. Or more of a weir. Huh? More of a weir. More of a weir. Okay. <laughs> that's the that's the title of this podcast. <laughs> Um, link, let's link F1 and Formula E segue into Formula 1 slightly rumour for Williams next year is that Toto Wolff wouldn't stand in Nick de Vries or Stoffel van Dorn's way if either of them or both of them wanted to join Williams for departing George Russell yeah I've seen this think it would happen? I don't know I'd say it probably depends how de Vries does this year because if he can end up winning the, the first Formula E World Championship. Are you really going to want to step away from winning that to being in the second worst car on the Formula One grid? Yes, I think I think you step away from Formula E as soon as something at Formula One comes up. Yeah, this will be like the first time that's happened. Like, there's obviously quite a lot of people that have been in Formula One now in Formula E. Stoffel van Dorn, prime Do- example. But from what I've read and heard about the transition, it's quite a different series to get your head around with all the energy management and the tyres and things. Yeah. But he, Nick de Vries was F2 champion when he came to Formula E, so his natural progression would have been Formula 1 if there were the seats. Do you really not think like Antonio Felix da Costa wouldn't have jumped at a chance to be in a Haas this year? I don't know. I couldn't possibly like put myself in their shoes. But I think... If you're having a really successful time in Formula E, well, I'd say it's someone like Stoffel van Dorn, who had his time in Formula 1, it wasn't great for him, and sort of the aftermath of it was all sort of, oh, what's the point of him being at McLaren? Why would he then go back to that if he's been doing really well in Formula E? I guess, yeah, I guess it depends. I guess it depends what you're looking for with a drive. Is it tons of money and fame? And, and it, you know, a lot of people say that Formula E is where people who didn't quite make it to Formula One have ended up. So is their reign still always going to be Formula One? I mean, so like an example of this I can think of is that John Eric Byrne released a drinks brand earlier this year. We wrote about it in the magazine I used to work at. And one of my colleagues wrote it and she was like, former Formula One driver, John Eric Byrne. I was like, no, <laughs> he's, he's a double world champion. <laughs> Let's put him as Formula E champion rather than former Formula One. And I guess it does have more of that prestige. Yeah. Like, we like Formula E, but there's still a lot of people that I say, oh, I went to the Formula E at the weekend, and they're like, what the hell's that? Yes. Is it like Tesla's driving around? <laughs> we had... We had two races on Channel 4, so the E-Pre was on Channel 4, the week after Silverson was on Channel 4. And people people came, like, would speak to me about the Formula 1. No one spoke to me about the Formula E. I mean, it's clearly rising and building its popularity and its profile. I don't know. Like, Felipe Massa was obviously in Formula E. It was a very big name that people outside of, like, racing circles will have heard of. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it'll take for the, anyone on the current grid to breach 
that and become sort of a bit more of a household name, or if it needs, I don't know, Valtteri Bottas to step away from Mercedes and join Formula E, something like that. For yeah. it to kind of be taken a bit more seriously. It's hard, isn't it? Because it's not like it's not exciting. Oh, no, it's like infinitely more exciting <laughs> than Formula One. <laughs> so what do they need to do to, to market it better? I think they're getting there. I think it's taking time, isn't it? And like having a race in New York and London is a big step forward. If they could have had fans there, it would be completely different. I would have liked to see the the London race on some actual streets and not in a car park. Yeah, but it kind of, like the New York one's sort of the same. It's around the cruise terminal. I think it was like one road that was closed. Berlin's the same, isn't it? It's around the runway of the the airport, airport, yeah. yeah. It's great that they are in these city centre locations but at the same time you kind of got to be realistic on what they're going to let you close for Formally. if you're at full capacity like 10,000 people to go yeah but I don't know I'm still staunchly a Formula E fan yeah I, I mean I'd like to see Nick maybe that is what Formula E needs is someone to make the step to Formula 1 mm. and perform well and prove that it can be done which I'd put faith in Nick DeFries to do that. He's a, he's a tidy driver. Yeah, imagine that. F2 champion, Formula E champion, Williams Formula 1. Champion. Mm. <laughs> driver. <laughs> it would be cool to see. He definitely deserves to be at the top level of whatever he's in. Yeah. Because he's clearly very talented. But... I, at the end of the day, it's going to be Sam Bird that wins, so he gets poached by Williams instead. It's not. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but you can dream. You can dream. But are you looking forward to being back in Hungary? It's quite an exciting race, usually. Yeah, it'll be a bit of fun. Hopefully we'll get a bit of rain or a thunderstorm on Sunday. It's what the forecast is. How about you? Yeah, I quite like Hungary. I'm hoping Haas have a blinder. Pull another, <laughs> change the tyres at the last minute. Move. pit lane drama yeah <laughs> that's from now on I think that's all I look for in a race weekend pit lane drama yeah when you book your tickets you just stick by the pit lane yeah as close <laughs> as it possibly can be uh, but no, it should be good nice to have the title fight pretty spicy still uh, did you see Andreas Seidel has said that Lando should be eyeing third yes which I think is amazing and if he can hold on to it the whole season just that man's on an upward upward trajectory to greatness we've got to really hope McLaren deliver a car next year that A Lando could win a title in and B Daniel Ricciardo can drive yeah Uh, Danny Rick said that his fight with Carlos has kind of helped him find find the edge or the boundary okay that's good a bit better so hopefully that'll carry over to Hungary the summer break is coming right at the, the perfect time for him then. <laughs> You've just figured out how to drive it. I've three weeks off. <laughs> that's, well, that's a more pertinent question. Are you looking forward to three weeks off? Um, it'll be a bit weird. Like today when we were planning this podcast, I was like, oh, who needs to do what sentences? Oh, no, wait, there's not been a race. Because <laughs> <laughs> they do seem to have been coming thick and fast yeah. since March, April. And it, it's only going to get thicker and faster yeah because 
we're like halfway through the year, but it doesn't feel like we're halfway through the races yet. No, we're. This is round eleven of twenty three that are meant to be scheduled, and we will pick up round twelve the last weekend of August. So we've got be busy. triple headers galore. Yeah. All the flyaway races. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a break. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all of our thoughts this week on the action from a hectic London E3 and a little look ahead to Max Verstappen's impending penalty in Hungary. What did you think of Lucas Degrassi's penalty in the Formula E? Talk to us all about penalties on Twitter. You can follow the show at Friday Formula or you can get in touch with either of us individually. I'm at Owen underscore Bellwood and Will, you are. I'm at Will Longman. I'm just, you mentioned penalties and I got all sad again. It's all right, Will. Penalties can be good sometimes. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next Friday where we'll be taking a look over all the action from the Hungarian race. Maybe a little look back at the season so far because we made a few predictions at the beginning of the year. How have those predictions come to fruition? Are any of us right? I am not. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> uh, but until then, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week. Hope you have a lovely day. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.